This is Demetrius Hunter, and you're listening to I Am Justice, where we discuss Christianity and our God-given mandate to do justice. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. Let's talk about our next section, which is race in America. And I want to talk about the way black and brown Americans experience race in this country. Part of that experience is something called the talk. It happens regardless of class and income. Parents who feel they have no choice but to prepare their children for the chance that they could be targeted, including by the police, for no reason other than the color of their skin. Mr. Vice President, in the next two minutes, I want you to speak directly to these families. Do you understand why these parents fear for their children? The fact of the matter is, there is institutional racism in America. And we have always said, we've never lived up to it, that we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women are created equal. But guess what? We have never, ever lived up to it, but we've always constantly been moving the needle further and further to inclusion, not exclusion. The fact of the matter is, in 2000, though, after the crime bill had been in, 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 in the law for a while, this is a guy who said, the problem with the crime bill, there's not enough people in jail. There's not enough people in jail. Well, what do you say to Americans who are concerned by that rhetoric? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say. I got criminal justice reform done and prison reform and opportunity zones. I took care of black colleges and universities. I'm the least racist person in this room. Now, you have done nothing other than the crime bill, which put tens of thousands of black men mostly in jail. One of the things is that in the 80s, we passed 100 percent, all 100 senators voted for it, a bill on drugs and how to deal with drugs. It was a mistake. I've been trying to change the sense and particularly the portion on cocaine. That's why I've been arguing that, in fact, we should not send anyone to jail for a pure drug offense. They should be going into treatment across the board. That's what we should be spending money. That's why I set up drug courts, which were never funded by our Republican friends. They should not be going to jail for a drug or an alcohol problem. They should be going into treatment, treatment. That's what we've been trying to do. That's what I'm going to get done because I think the American people have now seen that, in fact, it was a mistake to pass those laws relating to drugs. But they were not in the crime bill. Listening to those clips, I want to point out uh, just a few things. Number one is we have Joe Biden admitting that there is institutional racism in America. He's saying that we never lived up to the promise of equality as written in the Constitution. Number two, he also admitted that the crime bill was a mistake. The various crime bills that were written uh, to deal with uh, criminal issues within the urban uh, cities in the 80s and the 90s. Number three, one of the issues is most of the time when we have debates like this, when racism is discussed, 
more broadly what you hear being discussed is issues with the criminal justice system, which should tell us all something about the African-American experience in this country. So with that being said, I'm going to jump into this. And and for all of you that's listening, this is I am Justice. I am Demetrius Hunter. But I want to talk specifically. I'm going to be talking specifically today about the criminal justice system And primarily, I want to discuss the the Christian's attitude towards our criminal justice system or more specifically towards people who are caught up in the criminal justice system, our disposition towards them, you know, whether we have mercy or compassion or not and things like that. And jumping back to the first point that I discussed uh, in which Joe Biden admitted concerning institutional racism in this in this country i want to talk about a little bit about the constitution because this is kind of going to be the backdrop to what it is that we're going to be dealing with now many of you know you know it's, it's talked a whole lot about especially around debate time and uh anytime there's a a federal or national election the constitution is thrown around a whole lot now the constitution is a document filled with lofty and stunning ideas about life liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now I say stunted because all people were not initially included in the grandeur that is the exceptional American experiment of democratic rule or rule by the people. Represented yes, but still rule by the people. Now it took a war and many other movements to inch this nation towards a more just union, but to its credit What the Constitution does is give a minimum standard of how the citizens of this country should be treated. Now, I want to visit Section 1 of the 14th Amendment, which was one of the many laws passed after the Civil War to make right the wrong that was the enslavement of African people. And it reads like this. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. You heard that right. Equal protection under the law. Now, as the law reads, The intent was to establish that all people, including those formerly enslaved, born on these shores, are citizens of the United States. Complete with this citizenship, there are certain privileges that we get for being citizens, primarily that we should not be deprived of life, liberty and property without due process of law. And we should not be denied equal protection of the law. Now, the amendment also discusses how representatives should be apportioned per state based on the number of male voters, 21 or older, meaning that the right to vote for women was not not yet guaranteed. You know, I said inch, y'all. But dismissing the the ever looming specter of some inequality, the minimum standard states that if you are born here, you are a citizen with certain privileges that should not be taken away without due process of law. And no one should be denied equal protection under the law. Now, soaring through the annals of American history, you know, after the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendment, which guaranteed the right to vote based on race, talking about the 15th Amendment, but women still weren't included. Again, 
I said inch. But after these amendments were passed, can we honestly say that this nation honored the principle of equal protection under the law? If you just heard Joe Biden, obviously we can't say that that's what that's what has occurred here. Now, I will tell you, the nation does honor the 13th Amendment. Because if you in jail, your labor will be exploited. The chain gang is still in style. And also, your voting rights can be taken away for several reasons, which the, the 14th Amendment allows a little wiggle room for. But it, it, it's almost like to me, it was in shady back rooms. They, they were thinking, well, we, we can make them free. We have to have some kind of safeguards. We got to have some kind of guardrails. And I say all that to say, you know, we are guaranteed freedom and rights as citizens but we still have to fight for equal protection or equal treatment under the law, which brings me to today's subject on what should be the Christian's perspective regarding our criminal justice system. Now, you know, I got to throw out a few stats because no discussion like this is credible unless I can give you some stats. So the Equal Justice Initiative founded by Brian Stevenson author of Just Mercy and portrayed by everyone's new favorite Jordan, Michael B., his organization stated on their website that the U.S. has 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's incarcerated population. We spent $87 billion on jails and prisons in 2015, which is an increase of 1,000% from the $7.4 billion spent in 1975. In 1972, there were only 200,000 people incarcerated in the U.S. compared to 2.2 million today. And from 1980 to 2017, the number of women in jails and prisons in the U.S. grew to, to 750 percent. Over 200,000, over 225,000 women are incarcerated today. Now, if these numbers don't make you say, Houston, we have a problem, then, then maybe this will. The site goes on to say, and I quote, in the American justice system, wealth, not culpability, shapes outcomes. Many people charged with crimes lack the resources to investigate cases or obtain the help they need, leading to wrongful convictions and excessive sentences, even in capital cases. Racial disparities persist at every level from misdemeanor arrest to executions. The tough on crime policies that led to mass incarceration are rooted in the belief that black and brown people are inherently guilty and dangerous. And that belief still drives excessive sentencing policies today. More incarceration doesn't reduce violent crime. Using prisons to deal with poverty and mental illness makes these problems worse. People leave overcrowded and violent jails and prisons more traumatized, mentally ill, and physically battered than when they went in. Nearly 10 million Americans, including millions of children, have an immediate family member in jail or prison. More than 4.5 million Americans can't vote because of a past conviction. And each year, we lose $87 billion in GDP due to mass incarceration. And they got footnotes for this stuff, too, y'all. So it ain't like they just, you know, pulling this stuff out the air. But my question is this. Why in the quote unquote freest nation on the planet, we like taking away people's freedom so much. And not only do we take away your freedom, it's done excessively. People lose voting rights, employment and housing opportunities, welfare benefits, student loans and all kinds of rights and privileges of citizenship if they've been incarcerated. Now, to be fair, y'all, the criminal justice system is needed. 
The civil authorities are there to punish evildoers, as the word says, they don't bear the sword in vain. It's needed because people don't do justice towards each other. Y'all get that? It's needed because we don't treat each other right. It's not justice for me to rob you of your goods. It's not justice for me to take your life unjustly. It's not justice for corporations to knowingly sell addictive pharmaceuticals to our population and then wash their hands of how families and communities are ravaged as a result. It's not justice for corporations to poison our environments and give excuses as to why people are dying and have all kinds of maladies when they, most likely African-Americans, live by the factories. That's, that's why the system is needed. And there's been a couple articles that's done came out uh, uh, this week talking about pharmaceutical companies and uh, even at the debate they discuss people who live by factories and the, the health issues at that, that cause. But I'm afraid, though, when it comes to people who commit crimes as Christians, we forget these are human beings made in the image of God. And we judge them solely based on the fact that we're convicted of committing a crime and relegate their existence to the labyrinth. That is our criminal justice system. And to be clear, y'all, there, there is a connection between the harshness of our criminal justice system and the dehumanization of one another. And if you think I'm lying, I'm, I'm about to give you a Bible verse because the Bible don't lie. Deuteronomy 25, one through three says this. When men have a legal dispute, let them go to court. The judges will decide between them, declaring one innocent and the other guilty. If the guilty one deserves punishment, the judge will have him prostrate himself before him and last as many times as his crime deserves, but not more than 40. If you hit him more than 40 times, you will degrade him to something less than human. I hope y'all peeped that. Now, God established a society where justice, uh, love and mercy were the foundation of how the people were to be governed. And in his society, there is an acknowledgement that sometimes people need to be punished for their offenses. But he strictly warned that the punishment must fit the crime that has been committed. So when you, when you punish somebody, what this is saying, when you punish someone more than they should, you degrade them as something less than human. Now, I don't expect unsaved people to value the life of all people in this fashion. But Christians our stance towards people in the criminal justice system should reflect God's standard of humanization, even for those who commit crimes. And in America, y'all know we got a, di a human dignity problem. And at the bottom rung of the ladder, you often find the African-American with poor people overall not too far behind. And we objectify human life. And it's not just for sex. But human life is objectified for labor and it's objectified for the sake of punishment. And you know why I say this It's because all politicians have honored the 13th Amendment because tough on crime campaigning. It isn't just talking points for the Republicans. Tough on crime bills have been bipartisan and supported by African-Americans in the government and in communities ravaged by the crime. But we live in a different time right now. So what we're seeing is politicians are seeking to make inroads inroads towards the populace regarding criminal justice reform. Biden apologized for his 1994 crime bill legislation, which you heard in the previous clips. But what this what I'm going to tell you what the bill did. The bill provided funds for states to build more prisons. The bill encouraged harsher sentencing like the three strikes rule. Uh, it provided money for 100,000 cops to be on the streets. 
Now, in his new plan, the Lift Every Voice plan, he offers some comprehensive criminal justice reform and is worth a look at. And just looking at Trump, Trump boasts in his First Step Act legislation that for federal crimes, he alleviated the three strikes uh, life sentences for some offenses. He allowed good time credit to be used so people can get out earlier. And, and he expanded the access to rehabilitative programs when people are released. But what Trump does is he worked both angles because the African-Americans, he says, I let you out of jails early. But then to the white constituents, he says law and order. And we all know what that means. And if you don't, that's an expression that appeals to suburban whites that Negroes who commit crimes will be subjected to the harshest penalty that the law allows. <laughs> not a crazy. <laughs> it's funny, but not a crazy part about that is that Trump says, if you look at his plan, if you look at that platinum plan, which is which is one page. Well, it's two pages. I give him credit. It's two pages. But if you look at that platinum plan. It says that, you know, a part of his solution for criminal justice would be diversity trainings. Now, if you follow, you know, anything that goes on with the president, not too long ago, he said diversity training was racist. But in his plan, he says that, you know, police departments will be given diversity training. And in the immortal words of Arsenio Hall, that's the things that make you go, hmm. Y'all, you got to you got to read the fine print on this. It's hard to take Trump seriously when he out of one side of his mouth can say diversity training is racist. But then out of the other side of his mouth saying, hey, we got a race problem with the police. So we want to offer diversity training to deal with uh, the reform effort in the criminal justice system. It's a problem with that. And, you know, some people may not like it, but I think the Democrat record concerning criminal justice needs to be talked about. Because from from what I can tell, it looks like the, the Democrats of my generation, you know, the only thing that they done gave us was a, a kinder and gentler 25 to life. And the Republicans, they just give it to you with no chaser. Now, look, I'm not anti-politician. I just want us to stop falling for the Jedi mind tricks. With that being said, I have to give Governor Gretchen Whitmer you know, our governing authority appointed by God and Republican legislator legislature credit for passing the clean slate bill. And what that does is uh, allow for automatic and easier expungement for some convictions. Now, this is going to help restore some of those lost privileges like housing and job access and educational opportunities. They just passed this recently. And since we're here, I just want to remind everyone that the state's actually have more power over our criminal justice issues than we acknowledge or pay attention to because it's the, in the state criminal justice system where mass incarceration actually finds a more comfortable seat. Now the federal government, the federal government, what they can do is help by offering financial incentives to alter state and local criminal justice policies, which if you listen to the debate, that's kind of what you heard. You know, the, the federal government will offer monies for uh, police departments and states to, to uh, support certain laws. And what this looks like is ending habitual offender sentences. You know, it was a, a person in Louisiana, Fairwayne Bryant. He served over 20 years for stealing some hair clippers, y'all. And he served those 20 years for stealing the hedge clippers because he had four prior felonies. Now, he done been released. But what the federal government can do is incentivize states 
and local law enforcement agencies to do things like uh, eliminating those types of those those types of sentencing standards. Uh, they can encourage the states to make commitments to community policing or provide more accurate reports on death that occur during the course of police duty. That's how the federal government influences what happens to us locally. And that's because the true pipeline of mass incarceration, it starts right at your local law enforcement and in your local uh, county prosecutor's office. It's the prosecutor's office that's the gateway into the state prison system. And the state prison system far outpaces the federal prison system, y'all. How the prosecutor's office makes charging decisions and cuts plea deals greatly influences who will be on that midnight train to the state prison nearest you. Now, where does this leave us as Christians? Justice means that when crimes are committed, there is a penalty for it. And before I forget, while African-Americans tended to favor tough on crime laws of the 80s and 90s, because, you know, people bring that up. uh, they, They favored these laws due to the explosion of crime. And it was because the crack cocaine epidemic was ravaging the inner cities. But I think it's worthy to stop back and ask the question. Uh, How did the cocaine get here in the first place? If you unsure about that, I would encourage you to do some research on the Iran-Contra scandal of the 1980s. Some very interesting reading there. So while tough laws were favored, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, we had to be honest and say it was only because of immoral activities of the government. And the fact that this country has a humanity problem concerning African-Americans in the first place. Now, politically speaking, in our society, to be soft on crime is a death blow for politicians. And it's a red flag for the middle class that unless something is done, these poor degenerates, I mean, dehumanized American citizens will come and take what you've worked hard to gain. We've fallen into the political trap of loving the tough on crime, lock them up, throw away the key. You don't deserve to vote, have a job, housing or get to go to college with government back loans mentality. Yeah, that was a lot because that is a lot that happened to folks. And I want to say that Christians, there is a better way. We should have compassion towards all people. We should advocate for a justice system that punishes people who commit crimes accordingly and decry the racial disparities in our system. What this means is that law and order should not motivate us to the polls. I mean, y'all, President Trump just sending out tweets talking about law and order. Police killings should be treated with strict scrutiny. I mean, after all, y'all, the 14th Amendment does say that a citizen should not be deprived of life, liberty or property without due process of the law. Now, when people are killed, unjustly without due process of the law in our country it should be considered a tragedy and an aberration now many people don't share that sentiment when it comes to police killings and uh, people dying in the criminal justice system because many people die in the prisons and in the county jails as well but people don't share that sentiment because oftentimes it don't touch them personally you know my cousin Antonio Bell he died in a questionable way after the police after a police encounter in Texas. And while the police report exonerates the, the, the police of any wrongdoing, y'all know how that go. My friend and, and former pastor Johnny Goodman, he was a retired Flint police officer. And often he recount how officers would say there's no such thing as a bad arrest, just a bad report, implying that 
you know, officers be doing some scurvy stuff and they cover up that scurvy stuff they be doing by writing reports that justify the actions. And that's no lie. If you follow the news, you know, police be lying. Now, in our state, just touching back on the personal impact, you know, Governor Snyder launched the Secured Cities Partnership, which placed Michigan State troopers on patrol in several majority black cities. While this was meant to be helpful because, you know, we ain't have a whole lot of police in Flint, you know, crime, crime was shooting through the roof. If you know anything about Flint, y'all know we 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 didn't had a, a murder problem uh, several years in a row. But while the policy was meant to be helpful, it led it, it led to some innocent bystander deaths uh, in the city due to some high speed chases. One chase, there was a trooper. He had his father on a ride along in a car chase for a routine traffic violation. And he was flying through the city streets with no siren. And he ended up slamming it into a car of women, killing one of the passengers and injuring the others. One day, a neighbor of ours, he was a young man. He was walking up and down the street looking for any clues because his brother was killed when he was being chased by a state police officer for a traffic violation on his motorcycle the night before. Now, this this broke my wife and I's heart. You know, we tried to offer some consolation. But I, I'll never forget that, the the way that he was wandering up and down the street trying to find anything, any clues or, or whatever. Now, M Live, our news media company here, reported that there was an actual study done by Trinity University. And the study stated, and I quote, police are two to three times more likely to start vehicle pursuits that result in death or injury in majority black cities where extra troopers have been assigned. Now, y'all, these encounters are new to us as black folks, and it's been a recurring issue in this country. I think that, you know, we have to acknowledge that police officers have the ultimate authority to to deprive people of their life before they even see one day in court. Now, sometimes it's legit justified and we can see that. But when it's it's, it's, when they say it's justified and, and we can't understand how that's where the problem arises. For Christians to serve a God who seeks to honor his image imprinted in all humans, y'all, we should be apprehensive to quickly justify the taking of life beyond what's required by civil servants. After all, God would have the punishment, fit the crime, and honestly speaking, people have died at the hands of police that should still be alive today. I'm all I'm all for the accountability of police departments and legislation ending qualified immunity. There should be no slap on the wrist for the senseless taking of human life, especially when training and policy protocols are not followed. Speaking of qualified immunity, if you looked into the historical precedent of how that came to be, you shouldn't look no further than black people fighting for equal treatment under the law <laughs> during the civil rights movement. I was kind of, you know, I was surprised, but I shouldn't have been surprised. But, you know, I discovered that the judicial precedent for qualified immunity, it was made uh, to to, uh, deter a group of 15 freedom riding Episcopal priests that included three African-Americans. Shout out to my my white brothers and sisters who in a fight with us. But. It was the president was set to stop them from being able to sue the police for civil rights violations since they arrested them unjustly when they tried to get service at a coffee shop. 
This is why they was doing freedom rides. And what this president does is makes it exceptionally hard to pursue a lawsuit against governing authorities and often leads to failure when relief, when relief is sought. For instance, Rick Snyder, he was arguing he had qualified immunity with the Flint water crisis. But it don't look like the federal appeals court is uh, uh, going to let him fly with that. But you see how it worked. Government do something bad. They say, hey, I got qualified immunity. You can't touch me. Now, the Supreme Court, what they done did with this president is provided a legal loophole for the life of, of citizens to be taken and damaged wantonly by civil servants with no judicial recourse for those responsible for the act. Now, Congress could change this. But right now, there is no political will to do so. This, this is why we need Christian advocates on both sides of the aisle, because as I pointed out with the uh, a law change in Michigan, that was Democrat and Republican effort. Republican legislature sent a Democratic governor a bill that she had to sign into law. Y'all, this stuff is bipartisan. Now, some people mad at Cube, but he ain't lying. Our issues are bipartisan. You need both parties to get some of this stuff done sometimes. So, I mean, and, and, and let's not pretend that the police can do no wrong. You know, some people act like when police officers put on a uniform, they putting on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, and to be frank, y'all, just being honest, some officers is criminals. And y'all know the crooked cop is not foreign to our culture. And depravity does not stop just because you take an oath to uphold the Constitution. Even for judges. Y'all, there was a case in Philadelphia where two judges were convicted of taking bribes to send kids to a private juvenile detention center. And if you thought, or if it, if it crossed your mind when I said that, that the kids was black, you know, that's a part of the problem. This case actually occurred in Luzerne County, Pennsylvania. It's a majority white county and 90 percent of the victims were white juveniles who were sold into juvenile detention. Y'all should look up the kids for cash scandal. The, the Bible clearly speaks of the danger of judges taking bribes to pervert justice. This is this is why um, Martin Luther King said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. If Christians don't care about the least of these, it won't be long until these injustices spread out because it's, it's, it's gangrene. It's like cancer to a nation and a society, which is why God wanted to stamp that stuff out. What, what happens is, y'all, the depravity of our law enforcement officials, it leads to people being punished and penalized with no clear path towards justice. And unfortunately, our criminal justice system is a result of how we value the lives of our fellow citizens, which degrades people as less than human and is tolerated by many of God's people. Now, will we ever see the type of righteous justice that God demanded of Israel? I don't think so. Y'all know they, they couldn't even maintain it. But for people who call on the name of the Lord for salvation, the gospel demands more of our attitude towards people who fall into the clutches of the criminal justice system. Jesus said he would proclaim justice to the nations. And if we as Christians understand the mercy of God and that we don't suffer for the sins that we've committed against the holy God and that Jesus will ultimately be the judge that judges righteously, 
How can we stand by with the legacy of Christ and not fight against unjust treatment of people in the criminal justice system? How could we take on an attitude, y'all, that ultimately does not recognize the humanity of people within the unjust system? Like I said before, I'm not against criminal justice. If you believe in scripture, you know there is a need for those who violate the law to be punished. But what I am against is a criminal justice system that serves to dehumanize and undervalue people as evidenced by the types of punishment is exacted. Punishments that do not fit the crimes committed. And I think that's a reasonable stance for any Christian to take. This is an issue of just mercy, y'all. Jesus says this in Luke 6. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is, is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful so i want to say y'all christians as christians a part of our calling is to show love and mercy towards others where justice is required in criminal offenses it should be rendered but the rendering of justice does not eliminate the command to be merciful what justice and mercy means is that the punishment should fit the crime or offense and it shouldn't dehumanize someone else And if you made it this far, y'all know we got some dehumanization problems within our communities. It ain't right um, for for murder to occur in our communities. It ain't right for the type of violence uh, to occur uh, that we see in our communities. And it, it ain't right for none of this stuff to be going on. But more tragically, in our criminal justice system, we it we don't see equal protection under the law. It ain't guaranteed. And that's why I'm speaking to the Christian attitude about these issues, y'all. A gospel witness calls for us to speak well about what's right, but it also calls for us to resist the components that are unjust. And without a shadow of a doubt, we know that there's a lot of reform that's needed. We heard as much during the presidential debate. And we hear as much during during any debate or conversation we having about crim- the criminal justice system. But I want to encourage us because just as God was loving and merciful towards us, just as he was willing to forgive our sins. Y'all know we indebted to him to exhibit the same merciful demeanor when it's in the power of our hands to do so. So we shouldn't be dismissive of the wrongs in our society. But we should be standing in the gap, especially since our type of government allows us to do so. We should be standing in the gap to show the mercy of God. We should be standing in the gap to show the same mercy that he has shown us and shows us on a daily basis. Now, I hope that helped you all out as far as the overall attitude and demeanor that we as Christians should have concerning our criminal justice system, particularly um, the, the inequality within our system and how we value those who are caught up in our system. Uh, so this is just one particular area um, concerning issues of justice 
that continue needs to have conversation directed towards it. And, you know, Lord willing, um, I'll continue to be active as this is one of the areas that uh, I'm paying attention to as well. Uh, so I thank you all for listening. Uh, you can check us out on any uh, podcast hosting service. I'm on uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you can find your podcast, you should be able to hear I Am Justice. So looking forward to hit y'all back again. Thanks for listening. Peace out.